Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When I get ready to communicate the gospel, Satan loves to put whatever roadblock he can in front of me. But guys, the world is plummeting to hell and we have to care. The Holy Spirit doesn't work without us. How can they believe if they've never heard the Holy Spirit speaks through you? The gospel message needs to be shared. It's not something you can just sit back and hope will move forward without you. You are being called to share the good news. Today, Pastor Mark will be reminding you that every follower of Christ is asked to be a light in the darkness, to spread hope to every corner of the earth. If you don't feel qualified, ask the Holy Spirit to speak through you. He will give you the right words and the right time. Don't miss out on the opportunity to see God work. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 14 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. Well, is it important to know that Jesus no longer remains in the grave? Well, sure, because the power that raised him is the same power that's going to raise me. Now, why is this important in this verse? Well, notice it says, according to the, tell me, the scriptures. So this wasn't a surprise. Jesus himself said, three days after I'm in the ground, I'm going to be raised up. We know that was true. Jesus said that over and over again, and his enemies knew it. Why? They put a guard by the tomb. How many of you that have gone to a gravesite have seen a guard there? Why is the guard there? They're afraid they're going to rise from the dead? No. But they were afraid people would come and steal Jesus' body, so they put the soldiers there. The angel took care of that. They're out. The body's raised. This is what it says, according to the scriptures. Now, can we prove that he was raised? Well, take a look at the next. And that he appeared to Peter and to the twelve, and of course in the next verse, to hundreds of people. So we see that eyewitnesses prove the truth of the resurrection. So, that's the gospel. How do we get it to the ears of people so that I can say in a funeral, you were born in sin, sin always separates, God loved you so much he sent his son, I can say that, who died on the cross for you, you have to believe in him, become a follower, and he'll change your life. How does that word get out to people so that the Holy Spirit can begin to convict 
and convince. Well, Romans tells us exactly how that works. Look at it. Romans 10, 14. It's kind of a backwards, and we'll see that in a moment. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Well, in the United States, most people have heard about God. Most people really have heard about Jesus. They don't understand it, but they've heard about it. But much of the world has never heard about Jesus. Let me just use this same principle. It actually works backward. How can people hear that being good enough, being good enough will never save them? How can they hear that? And how can they believe that they need to be something beside good if they've never heard it? And how can they call on God to save them because they're, they realize they're not good enough? Well, how? Second key. I need the Holy Spirit to convict and convince. I can't do that. But here's the second key. You and I need to understand this principle. Here it is. By the way, it's in picture first. You know, you can take a beautiful yard, and I remember up there, and and you look out, and there's one dandelion. This beautiful expanse of, you know, up north, you, you roll your grass out when you put sod down, and it's just gorgeous. It's fun to walk on, not like this Augustine stuff, you know, whatever. But you roll it out, and you have one teeny yellow dandelion. If you don't watch, by the end of the summer, what color is your yard? Yeller. How did it happen? You see what a dandelion seed looks like. That little sucker. It can find its way anywhere. It's like nut grass down here. You know, you cover your yard with asphalt and the asphalt bulges. And there comes the nut grass coming right up through it. You can't get anything to grow, but nut grass grows. Well, how does the gospel How is it communicated to a world? When the early church started, there's one dandelion. In 20 years, here's what happened. Spread everywhere. Well, how is it spread? People. You and me. Here's the verse. Here's the key. Our role. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't convict and convince. But I have to tell people. It's my mouth. It's my principle. I have to go and communicate the good news, the truth, with passion and power. I have to do that. I communicate it. I go in the power of the Spirit. Now, how did 15 and a half years ago, not quite, Melbourne started with one dandelion. How did we get to have six to 8,000 people? How did that happen? Here we go. We started Vieira with a few people. Now, more than 700. That's how it works. Now, when that seed falls, I don't know what's going to happen to the seed. When I share the truth, I don't know what's going to happen to it. But I'm responsible to do that. Then the Holy Spirit takes over. That's why Jesus said, Go. That's the communicating of the gospel that you and I are responsible to do. Well, in Colossians, we see this put in verse form. Colossians 1, 28, 29. So we tell others about Christ. Remember, we tell them uh, not about Calvary Chapel, nothing wrong with inviting them, you should be. 
But we tell them about Christ. There's, there's no other name under heaven whereby a man must be saved than through Christ. So we tell them about Christ, warning everyone and teaching them, teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard. Are you kidding me, Pastor Mark? It's a struggle to witness? Say yes. You didn't have to ask me to say that, did you? See, unless you're an evangelist, you have the gift of an evangelist. You know, an evangelist, you can put them on a, you can put them on a little island in the ocean with nobody and they'll get the coconuts saved. I mean, that's just the way it works. They got that gift. But most of us are a little intimidated when you meet one on one, aren't we? We have to have the Spirit helping us because it's actually work. It's work to learn the scriptures. It's, it's work and we struggle. What is this person going to think of me? What if they turn me down? Whatever. And Paul says, no, that's why I work and struggle so hard. It was a struggle for Paul. But notice what he says. He didn't depend on himself. He depended on Christ's mighty power that worked within him. What we're going to do here in Enviera, we're going to put your name there. So Jerry tells others. So Sue tells others. By the way, this is your homework for the week. This is your verse to study. This is your verse to meditate on. You devotional writers, this is a key verse to work off of this week. Notice, Colossians 1, 28, 29. New Living Translation. Don't have that translation, just get on the internet. But New Living Translation, you'll find it many places you can get it. Work on this. So we're going to say it all together. And some of you say, well, Pastor Mark, if we say this all together, it's going to confuse God. <laughs> Relax. Relax. So Mark tells others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given Mark. Mark wants to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why Mark works. Stop. Let me say this again. That's why who works? Let's just say that little quote. That's why works. That's for you. Here we go. That's why Mark works and struggles so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. That's your verse. That's how we do it. It is a struggle. Why is it a struggle? Because it's warfare. When I get ready to communicate the gospel, Satan loves to put whatever roadblock he can in front of me. But guys, the world is plummeting to hell, and we have to care. The Holy Spirit doesn't work without us. How can they believe if they've never heard the Holy Spirit speaks through you? Average, normal, everyday Christian. That's all we are, anybody in this room. He speaks through us. They can't believe unless they hear and we communicate. We do this not only here, but all over the world. We just had our fusion team come back from Berlin. We just had our senior high kids get back from two weeks in New York City. We have a team from this body, people just like you, in the Ukraine. There are two different churches in the Ukraine, two different places, hundreds of miles apart. We have two young couples from this body who years ago sat here. They've been called to missions. And there they are as pastors of Calvary Chapel churches. 
And as you know, we have times of all kinds of things. The junior high are getting ready to go to Mexico. As I said, we have another group going to Haiti. We just sent Serge down to Haiti as a pastor. Uh, over in Leesburg this morning, Bob Carp is being ordained as the pastor of that church. We have people all over the place. Why? Well, simply because this last statement. CCFs, committed Christ followers, communicate the good news because we have a heart for the lost. We have a a heart for the lost. It's not because someone told us we have to do it. When is the last time you asked God to open a door for you that you could share the good news? When is the last time you invited someone to church to hear the good news? Let me challenge you this week to open your heart. Now, our last C is contribute. You know what the word contribute means. It simply means to give. Contribute of your time and your passion, your talents, and your possessions. In a verse in Ephesians, three verses, we see something exquisitely clear. Look at it here in Melbourne and Vieira. In these first two verses, we see salvation. We see the one thing that blinds people is spoken about. Let's read it. God saved you by his special favor or grace when you believe. One of the other blinders that's very common is this. I believe in God. So I, E, I go to heaven. No, that's not correct. And I told him yesterday in the funeral where many people got saved. Did you know that Satan believes in God? Well, he's not going to be in heaven. So I have to believe enough to follow him. So notice, you're saved. God saved you by a special favor, grace, when you believe. And you can't take credit for that. It's a gift. A gift isn't earned. A gift is received. So salvation is received. To clarify it, the writer says in verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. You don't go to heaven because you're good enough. Right there it is. Take the blinder off. Why did God put that in the Bible? Because he knew that would be the biggest blinder. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, many of us know this verse. And this is where we kind of end Many people in the world, this is it, saved. And it's almost as if, once I accept Christ as my Savior, next step, beam me up, God, boom, to heaven I go. But that's not true. You see, in your life, you probably have 40 to 50 to 60 at the most years of significant use by God on this earth. When you're near 20, You've kind of got things figured out a little bit. You really understand enough to be useful. Certainly you can be used before that, but somewhere in that area, 16 to 20, you got it. All right, add 60 years. Well, 76. 70 years is a stretch. I can be useful during those years. Useful to do what? I'm saved. What's the big deal? Well, verse 10 is the big deal. See, God didn't just save you to then translate you to heaven. No, you have significant worth to him 
here for those next whatever number of years. He said, well, Pastor Mark, I'm 52 today and I just got saved two weeks ago. All right, you have 20 some years left. Maybe or maybe tomorrow you'll die. I don't know. What do you mean I'm supposed to be doing something for God? Well, look at verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece, painting, poem. He has created us anew in Christ, Jesus. Here we go. So that. He's created me. He's gifted me. He saved me. So that. So what? So that we can do. Say do with me do. Salvation is already done. It was a gift. Christ died on the cross. But now I do the good things I plan for myself. No. You don't do what you... Your life isn't your own anymore. Once you turn your life over to Christ, it's His life. So I'm to do the good things God planned for us long ago. God has a plan for your life. He has gifted you uniquely, and he says to you, number one, you're not saved by good works, you're saved for good works. So I want you to begin doing some neat things. Now, let me read to you this. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. First thing that I notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is simply this. I'm a servant. But the next thing I notice is, I'm also a steward. So write this down. CCMs are both servants and a steward. So when I got saved, God says, I want you to have this attitude. I want you to be a servant. You're going to serve me. And by the way, I came to live in your house, so you're going to have to manage your house. Now I want you to see as you look at servants and stewards something very important today. I was thinking about this yesterday afternoon after the funeral. Those of you that are here and listening by the internet, those of you that are at Vieira, you're going to be one day in heaven because of this sermon, if you do it, you're going to come and look me up you're going to say, thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Not, not because of me, but because I gave you the truth. Now remember, when you come look for me, I'm 6'11". You remember that? Remember, 6'11". This thing will be way too short on me. 6'11". Now, why am I joking with you? Servant and steward. One day, as a Christian, I'm going to stand before God. You're not going to stand with me. You're going to stand by yourself. And God's going to say to you, I'm going to reward you according to these two things. Were you a faithful servant? Faithful. Faithful in what? Well, I gave you gifts. I gave you time. I gave you possessions. I gave you abilities. I gave you money. Were you a good steward of it? And see, because you listen to this and you're going to change, you're going to be so thankful. I'm very serious. Because when you stand before him, he's going to say, enter in, welcome. 
Man, look at the gifts. See, everyone that receives the gift of salvation is going to be in heaven. But heaven isn't the same for everyone. We're going to get all kinds of rewards depending on whether we're a faithful servant and an efficient steward. If you look at today's newspaper, you'll see in the headline, somebody was an investor of condos on Indian Harbor Beach or whatever, and somehow it's gone broke, and all these people in Brevard County have lost money. He wasn't a good steward of their investment. When you stand before God, you're going to remember this teaching. You say, Pastor Mark, because of that teaching in June 2007, I realized that I, I need to be a great steward for God. Everything that he's given me, all the gifts, the time, talent, money, I, I, I changed from that day. My outlook was different. And I became a faithful servant and a very efficient steward. I use my gifts really well. Thanks. Because all these things I got is because I listened to you teach the word and I changed my life. You know, quite often as a pastor, I'll get an email, and this has happened over the last 15 years. I'll get an email and it'll say this. Pastor Mark, I, I stopped you at the end of a service. I had a counseling session with you. I emailed you, and you told me from God's word what to do. But I, I didn't do it. I wish now. I would have done it. I get that very often. Not because I'm Mr. Wise Man. Oh no, I just give him the Bible. So I have to say to them, okay, you can't do anything about the past, let's start again. Of course, train wrecks behind. Don't have a train wreck in heaven. It's too late. Listen to what I'm going to teach you. Faithful servant, efficient steward of your gifts, your times, your abilities. Now, what causes me not to be faithful? What causes me not to use my gifts? Here it is. Some of you have never been to California, so you're familiar with a restaurant. But if you want to make a lot of money, if that's your goal, and you got a lot of money and a lot of time, just put an In-N-Out burger in Brevard County and make a fortune. I don't know why we don't have any, but that's neither here nor there. It's a great burger place. Notice, what is my problem? Why do we have issues? Here, we have to fight the drive-through mentality. In our churches, it says this, feed me, teach me, entertain me, provide for me, serve me. That's the mentality of the church. Feed me, teach me, entertain me, provide for me, serve me. And we do. But because you do nothing, and something doesn't go right, you just drive to the next church. Feed me, teach me, entertain me. Not good there? Okay, we'll go to another one. And all the time, the clock is ticking. And nothing you're doing for Christ is counting. Nothing. Sadly, too many people come to church with a focus on what they can gain from the experience. Pastor Mark called it a drive-through mentality today. If you don't like what one church offers, just leave. All the while, though, you're not using your gifts to help the body of Christ. Today, you are encouraged to jump in and serve and see what God can do through your contribution. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will conclude this series on how to live your life for God with unlimited potential. He'll remind you that contributing to the work of the kingdom is part of that. Your contribution may be financial. It could be the talents and gifts he's given you. But all of it is meant to be used to bring glory to the Lord. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a herd